there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. If you've ever been on a diet or beaten yourself up for indulging in certain foods or struggled with your weight and body image, then you are in exactly the right place. And by the way, my answer to all of those questions is, hell yes, I have. And I want to help all of you Java junkies figure this shit out long before you're my age. So this episode is all about helping you to create a healthy relationship with food and your bodies. But before I introduce my guest, I have one quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already signed up for the Java Junkies Journal, that's our weekly newsletter giving you a heads up on all the amazing episodes we're dropping that week, please head on over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org and sign up. Thanks so much. So grab your mug and take a chug of a delicious caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my next guest is Elise Mucellis, the creator of Food Story and the wildly popular blog Kale and Chocolate. As an author, speaker, teacher, and health coach who's certified in eating psychology and nutrition, Elise is on a mission, and that mission is to empower women to create a healthier relationship with food and their bodies by changing what's on their plate and perhaps even more importantly, what's in their minds. Her advice and recipes have been published in countless books and publications and will soon reach an even broader audience with the debut of her podcast, Once Upon a Food Story. And that is such an awesome title. Elise is also the author of the best-selling book, Whole Food Energy, 200 Natural Recipes to Help You Prepare, Refuel, and Recover. Elise, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I just had my matcha latte. Is that okay? Does it count? Of course it is. And it's (laughs) super healthy, of course, right? Right. Thank you so much for having me here, Andrea. I love what you're about in this podcast title, everything. I'm excited to be a guest. Well, I am so excited to have you on, Elise. And I thought we should start at the beginning with your food story. And we should probably tell Java junkies that you're an attorney whose own professional career has had a few twists and turns leading you to become certified in eating psychology and nutrition. Exactly. So before I followed my passion, I was helping, I was practicing immigration law. Right out of college, I went straight to law school and um, I really did enjoy my time as a lawyer, but I had kids. And then I took a little break. And when I really thought about what, like, what I wanted to do, what felt like my calling, it was more in the direction of nutrition and now eating psychology. And I have to say that following your passion, you know, makes work feel like it's not even work. And most of the you know, time. I love, yeah, oh, that's true. Most of the time. It's not like every day is perfect, but I, I love what I do. And I, you know, I so this is how I live. So I'm, I'm sharing my heart and passion along with, you know, being a professional. The synergy is there. Absolutely. So what is your food story, Elise? 
Okay, so first I wanted to start with a small definition of what food story is, because for all the listeners, even if my food story isn't exactly your food story, we all have a food story. And your food story is really everything. Like you said, it's from what's I help people with what's on their plate and what's in their mind. But it's all those things, you know, the way that your mother talked about her body and what your father said about vegetables. It's the food that you eat when you're heartbroken and the food that you choose when you're celebrating. It's knowing that you should be having X and having Y instead. It's really all those messages that you've taken in and they've become part of your whole entire way that you view and think and choose food. So we all have a food story and you know, there's so we all connect through our stories too. So my story, I'll give you an abridged version of it, but I grew up in California in Los Angeles, and that should tell you a lot. You know, people are very health conscious and body conscious. And when I was nine years old, I can remember going to the pediatrician and getting weighed. And he said, you know, if you lose, you know, him and my mom were talking, and if you lose five pounds, then you can get your ears pierced. And, you know, everyone was well-intentioned, but I went on my first diet at nine years old. You know, and it was just all about like eating less and exercising more. And really, I didn't, you know, I was a carefree young child, like, you know, just eating jelly beans or, you know, like oranges out our orange tree and not giving, you know, a second thought to the way most young kids should be. But after that, you know, I became so conscious of everything. And I saw my dad lock padlock no joke, the refrigerator every single night. And it had nothing to do with me or with my siblings. And it was more to curb his terrible habit of sleepwalking and then eating and not even realizing like who did that, you know, in the morning. So the thing is that, you know, we learned that as young kids, we saw that and the message, even though it wasn't intended for us, was like food was best kept under control and under lock and key. And like fast forward, I went to an all girls school where, you know, the shorter your skirt was, the cooler you were. And everyone talked about skinny. You know, this was before right now. I love the direction, how it's more about health, but it was really about being thin. And so I just, I want to, in a nutshell, I was very consumed about doing everything perfectly and doing everything right. And looking back, I can see where that whole like message of concern and control came from. But I just spent the, like many, many years going from diet to diet and looking for, and I'm going to put this in quote, the perfect diet in search of the perfect body. And I just basically exhausted myself. You know, I just was consumed by it. And I wasn't, even if I was eating, you know, whatever, like brown rice back then and, uh, you know, following a, you know, vegan diet, it didn't matter because I was constantly worried and beating myself up, you know, about being quote bad. So the biggest, I say that we all have defining moments in our stories. And I would say that I had three like really big defining moments that stand out to me. And the first one was that, you know, I was already in law school and I met my husband and well, he was not my husband at the time and we broke up then. And so you obviously know that we ended up getting back together, but he broke up with me over food saying, I can't be with somebody, you know, who's so rigid about worried and there's no more joy. And I like to go out and eat. 
And so I went back to California. I live in DC now and I was in law school in DC. But when I graduated, I went back to California. We broke up. Of course, we ended up getting back together. But that was like a huge, I almost lost like the love of my life over, you know, food. And that's when I started to cook for myself and, you know, try to bring back that joy. And I do think that cooking, you know, is huge and connecting to food is huge, but that's for later. And then the other, another defining moment was when I became pregnant with my first child. I, I just realized I didn't want to pass on just like my husband shared my story with me at the table. I didn't want to pass on this story. And so I did whatever it took to try to be as healthy as possible and less concerned about weight and the rules that, and the, the huge self-imposed ridiculous standards that, you know, that I had. And so you know, I was slowly just like you develop your food story over time, you heal over time. And, you know, as I got healthier and healthier, then I realized I, this is what I want to do. And when I went to nutrition school, I learned a lot about food and nutrients and the power of our food, but I knew it wasn't enough. So I started you know, working with clients and then I realized that so much is about our mindset because you can eat all the kale and quinoa and make green smoothies and do all of those things. But if you're not thinking healthy thoughts, if you're not being kind to yourself, if you're not sitting down and enjoying those things because you're too consumed with, you know, the numbers or whatever, then you're not healthy. And so I got certified in eating psychology. And that's when my relationship totally healed because I realized how powerful you know, it is our mindset is too. So I was able to not just heal what was on my plate, but to really start thinking about how my thoughts were processing and, and whether they were coming from a loving and kind space. And so I knew when I could change what was going on inside and not just on the outside that I had, and I felt that freedom, I had to do help other people feel the same way. So that's the, the short version of my food story. You know, Elise, as I listened to you, all sorts of things were flashing through my own mind of various points in my life. And I'm curious, why is it? And I think it's probably more common with women than it is with men. But why is it that we judge ourselves and by that, I mean, we feel happier when our bodies look a certain way. And usually that is when our bodies are thinner, when our bodies are more fit. First, I want to just address one thing that you said. You said that you were thinking all sorts of things were triggered for you or memories or associations by what I said. And it's really important to like acknowledge your story and think about it and even share it. If you're not comfortable, you can share it with yourself, but if you can see how it's what connects us to one another and it's what helps us heal. This then changes the collective conversation, which leads to your other question. I think there's so many pressures, you know, that we feel like we have to look or be a certain way because of what we see in the media are now social media, to, which around, you know, for me, but social media now, you know, people want to be like that influencer or, you know, dress like them or have their, you know, do these workouts or eat these superfoods because, you know, that's what we see, you know, works for someone else. And I think we, we think we should, that that's what will bring happiness. But the real question is, is that really what brings happiness? Isn't it a state of mind, right? So we keep going after the body or the, the weight or whatever, but what if you said, I'm going to be happy now, but I can still try, 
you know, to be better. We always want to be better. That doesn't mean externally only, but you can, you need to be happy along the way, right? It's the journey. It's appreciating the small victories, noticing the things that happen to you every single day that make your day unique or interesting, right? Absolutely. And I am more than happy to share my food story. I don't know do if it. it's appropriate. Okay, I could do that. I think your listeners would really want to hear, you know, about Andrea, you know, like this is this is great. So I think my earliest memories go back to my dad is always like he loves his snacks. And so he would have Fritos and cheese and maybe a bowl of cereal or matzah with butter and honey or, you know, little things like this. And I was somebody who was always very active and always enjoyed snacking. So I think snacking is something that I associate with love, right? Or fun or different things like that. It wasn't until I was in college and started getting into long distance running and ran a marathon. And then I think because I was running such long distances very suddenly, I ended up hurting my knees and then went abroad my junior year in college to study in Taiwan and suddenly couldn't run and was trying all the new foods and wasn't able to exercise and for the first time in my life started gaining weight and ended up it was a very bizarre thing but um one of I was living with a Taiwanese family and one of the daughters, it turns out, was bulimic. And my bedroom was right next to the bathroom. And I used to hear her throwing up at night. I didn't know that's what it was. I thought she was taking a bath. But one night when I walked by the bathroom, there were slots in the door. And I saw her kind of over this plastic pail vomiting into the pail. So that was, for me, a real eye-opening. I had never heard of bulimia. I didn't know what it was, but I recognized what she was doing. And I ended up becoming bulimic. And I was bulimic through my senior year of college, knew that it was terrible. I was not one of those people who threw up after every meal, but I would throw up when I ate like brownies or cookies or something that I was giving myself as a treat. It wasn't until after I graduated from college, I ended up telling my parents, I went to an eating disorder clinic and was able to stop. But I think through my life, I've always been one of those people. And I agree with you, Elise, that it's the media. It's seeing mm-hmm. the images of beauty that we were of our generation put forward as it's a thin body that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I really think, and unfortunately, I have to say, unfortunately, I still feel that way about myself. I don't feel good about myself if I'm you know, not able to fit into the jeans that I really like to wear. But what I will share with our Java junkies that really help me is learning more about the way that certain foods affect my body. And so I'm able to nourish myself and actually feel more energetic, feel, you know, my brain fog is lifted. And by brain fog, 
I mean, you forget things. You don't, your brain doesn't feel as clear. You're not thinking clearly. All of those things are affected by what you put in your body. I'm not the expert. I'm going to turn it over to you, Elise. No, you can talk more about that. But what I learned through the course of educating myself and reading the books by people like Dr. Mark Hyman, who Elise knows, and learning about inflammation. And in fact, as I started eating the right foods, that like muffin top that I couldn't seem to get rid of. And as a 54-year-old woman, you chalk it up to, well, I'm middle-aged. I've gone through menopause. Our Java junkies are late teens in their 20s may not be dealing with these same things, but I chalked it up to hormones. And I didn't realize that as soon as I started eating more of the right foods, my body, that muffin top, shrunk. So Elise, you can explain to our listeners what it is and how it is that the foods that we eat are affecting both our mind and our body. Okay. So let me first back up for a second and just acknowledge that like, thank you so much for sharing your story because I'm sure so many of your Java junkies will feel empowered to think about their own from you sharing. And it's amazing, right? How we, we don't realize how much, you know, affects us, like from our upbringing, you know, and like it just even all the Java junkies might think about what are the foods that feel like comfort foods and Usually there's like an association, like, you know, it feels comforting because it might remind them of like when they were home sick and their mom or grandmother always made it for them. So it's just, it's really like when we blame ourselves for wanting certain things, sometimes we have to like get underneath and ask the why, you know, because it's not just like, oh, I'm craving sugar. Like it could be other things. Like you might crave snacks when you are thinking somehow about your dad, you know? Mm-hmm. So it is really interesting and like good for you for like going and telling someone, your parents, that you knew you had a problem and that it wasn't right. And that is so huge because so many of us, whatever it is, you know, it, we, it could be any sort of addiction, you know, or anything. Like, you know, we think we can either do it on our own or we're too ashamed or we don't acknowledge that we really have a problem. So that is huge. And that's something that I feel like all the listeners really can think about it's okay, you know, to, to share and to be vulnerable. And that's the first stage in healing. And lucky for you, you, you know, did that on your own. That's amazing. Thank you, Elise. I I will add one other thing. And that is that for the last 11 years, I've actually had, I've had different therapists, but I have been in therapy, which has helped me tremendously to untangle a lot of the, we would say in Yiddish, the mishigas of my life. <laughs> and and I would say that it has been really healing for me to do that. And I hope young people, if they feel for whatever reason that they need somebody to talk to other than a friend, somebody who's a trained therapist, a trained eating psychologist, a coach like you, that they will reach out and find that help because it's so hard to do it on your own. I agree. And and the beauty of our stories and especially for the Java junkies who are, you know, it's so you know young and have a great future ahead of them is that our stories are always changing. You don't ever have to be stuck. And just because something happened to you, it doesn't mean you can't evolve and, you know, write something new. You, you're never stuck. That's the beauty of our lives and our stories. Like it just keeps evolving. Amen, sister. um, 
Yeah. Okay. So you were asking about, I want to make a point and I hope this comes out the right way. It's, we can, I don't want, of course you want to love yourself as you are, but there's nothing wrong. And like, I feel terrible when my clothes are too tight and I don't want to feel that way. And it doesn't matter what size you are. It's how you feel inside your body. And I think you use that as motivation to change or to do something different or to say, okay, you know, maybe I've been slacking off and I know I could do better. I could eat more greens. I can exercise more. And the difference though, between what we were doing, you and I, is like, you don't hate yourself and force yourself or punish yourself into it. You come from a more like loving place and you say, all right, I got to change. I've been, you know, I've been snacking too much. I've been doing too much of the late night, you know, midnight dinners or whatever, you know, and or drinking too much beer. And I know I don't feel better. So I'm going to change not to punish myself, but because I want to feel good in my own skin. Can you feel the difference between that? Yes, completely. And I think that is such a great point to make that it needs to come out of loving the person that you are. And the truth is, we all have more stresses at different times and we react different ways. But hopefully, what we can do is come at the self help all from that loving place. Exactly. We, we all fall off track. I, I like to just say life happens. You know, it does. The vacation, you know, like you said, the stresses. And to answer your next question about finding the food. So you, could, I think experts and books are amazing for ideas. But at the end of the day, there is no one superfood that is going to cure everything or one food that is good for everybody. We are all unique. And so you are your own expert. And I think it's great to try new things to, you know, use the latest protein powder if you want to add that to your smoothie or, you know, try whatever the latest superfood is. But at the end of the day, you have to be connected enough to your body to know, oh, this made me, yeah, I liked it. I got energy or I didn't feel those same cravings, but nobody can tell you how it's going to feel except for you. And that's where being awake at the plate, being alert, being mindful. It's a buzzword, but it's really true that when you are connected and in your body, then you will know when you feel good. And my boys are around the same age of your listeners. And, you know, they grew up eating a lot of vegetables. And of course, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of plant-based foods. There was a lot of eye rolling and a lot of, oh, moms, and why can't we this? And why can't we that? But now their bodies have gotten so used to all that whole real food that when they don't have it or they're, you know, they were not cooking for themselves in the dorms or whatever, they'll, they'll come home and call me, you know, on the way, like, please have lots of vegetables. I'm craving them. So I think when you start to eat the foods that feel good and you, you see the results, like you mentioned that the muffin top dissipated, you know, when you see the results because you're eating what feels right for your body, then you will naturally just want to be in that state of our body, you know, homeostasis, our bodies just want to feel good, but we have to be connected enough to know what that means. So Elise, for Java junkies who are still in college right now, how Mm -hmm. can they kind of position themselves for success when it comes to the food that they're eating? What do you recommend that they eat? And how can they kind of structure their day in a way that they are getting the kind of energy that they need to do all of the things that college students do? 
Well, that's a really good question. And having just been through it and having um, several college-age clients, I have lots to say. So the first thing is that one of the, like this is inherent with a college schedule, they're like every day is different. You know, they sleep in at different hours, they have classes at different times each day. And I highly recommend getting on a schedule with meals. I think that our bodies can only go a certain amount of hours without you know, you, you start to get low blood sugar if you don't eat. It, you know, if you're, if you have class at noon and then you go all the way through and you're not eating dinner until seven, well, that's seven hours, right? So you would want to plan out a snack in between so that you could keep your blood sugar balanced, your, which also affects that brain fog that you were talking about can come from low blood sugar. You know, you just want to stay energized and focused while you're in classes and doing all your work throughout the day. So that comes from a routine which is really good, making sure that you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner pretty much at the same time, like within reason, but on schedule. And that when you are going more than four or five hours in between meals, that you have a planned snack to keep that blood sugar steady. And when I'm talking about plant snack, this is not hard. Anybody can do it. You can grab an apple. It's apple season right now and a handful of almonds. Almonds can be kept right in your dorm room or your apartment and doesn't require like, you know, weekly grocery shopping. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And, you know, I know your, your blog is called Kale and Chocolate. What is it about those two foods that you felt were important that you place them together? Okay, good question. I always like when people ask me that. So of course, I love kale and chocolate, but beyond the actual foods, it represents balance to me. I, when I shared my food story with you all, you know, there wasn't a lot of joy. And I'm not saying kale is, but it was just all kale, right? It was just a preoccupation with all things healthy, and not in a fun way when you start thinking about food as numbers. And you know, and it and it's not anything, it's just nutrients, right? It's, there's no pleasure there. And then chocolate represents, you know, the pleasure and the fun. And I, I think, well, of course, it's dark chocolate. But I think when you have both kale and chocolate in your life on your plate, and in, you know, and beyond the food part, where you're having fun, but you're also being, you know, working, then you have more of a balanced approach to life. And so that's what kale and chocolate really represents to me. It's about, you know, making sure that you're taking care of yourself on the health side, but you're not forgetting to have fun along the way. Mm -hmm. What is healthy for Java junkies to be eating at this stage of their life? I mean, it isn't about only eating kale. It isn't about depriving themselves of the occasional treat. How can they right. be living their lives in such a way that they're fueling their bodies for energy? Okay, so I, I'm i going to make the assumption that most of you Java junkies are probably not able to cook all the time. And is that, do you think that's accurate? So why don't we do both? For those Java junkies who are on the college meal plan, for those who may be living in an apartment or for those who've already graduated and are living on their own? Well, I have some, a couple of things to say that applies to anyone, whether they're, they're home cooked, their home cooked meals or they're eating out. I think one of the easiest ways to make sure that you're getting a variety of nutrients is to really think about eating the rainbow. As simple as it sounds, it makes a major difference in a lot of 
in a lot of ways. One, it's just, it beats counting calories, you know, to see that you have all the colors represented. It naturally forces out the less healthier white foods. So, you know, if you're filling, for example, let me give you someone has a bowl of oatmeal. Now you can just have that beige oatmeal, right? And nothing wrong with the oatmeal. It's a quote healthy food, but then you add the blueberries and maybe some raspberries into it, you know, and you're, you know, you chop up some, like some apples or whatever. You're just getting more nutrients, right? You're putting fresh, whole, real food onto your plate and without having to think too hard about it. So if a, someone is in college and let's say they go to the salad bar, like Caesar salad, right? You know, doesn't have a whole lot in it, but they start adding the tomatoes and the peppers and, you know, some of the other colorful options that are on the salad bar, you suddenly have this really nutrient dense, healthy plate that will keep you happy and full. And then there's less room right, for some of the choices that might not be quite as nourishing. So eating the rainbow is huge. And it's simple and easy to do. And you can do it whether you're cooking or you're eating out. What else? I think that making sure each time you eat that you balance your macronutrients. So that means that you get healthy carbohydrates, um, some kind of healthy fat, and I can explain that more if you want, and protein, whether that's plant-based or animal protein, just whatever works for you. But when you do that, when you put the, the different nutrients on your plate, that's how you balance your blood sugar and how you reduce cravings and how you make your meals last longer because you're not going to have that spike when you eat just carbohydrates. You, you know, you might get a surge, like all this energy, but then you're going to crash and start craving more carbohydrates more. But when you add the protein and the healthy fat, then your meal can, you can have your meal go for longer and you won't have that. You'll have a steady rise in blood sugar instead of that quick up and down. Is that making sense so it, far? Yes, it does. Okay. And I think. A little bit of planning goes a long way. And I understand, you know, it's hard and it's unpredictable, the schedules when you're a student. And that doesn't mean, you know, you can't go out and have fun with your friends. But think about when you're going to eat and make sure that you do not let too many hours go before you eat. So I also want to address alcohol too. I think it's healthier to have something solid in your body before you start drinking. You know that the, the alcohol will just go straight, you know, it'll just have a bigger impact if you don't have any food in your system. So, you know, making sure that you have something healthy before you go out with your friends partying on the town, it's always just a smarter thing to do. And, you know, a little planning to docking, whether it's your dorm room or an apartment, you know, going to a lot of colleges have farmers markets, or, you know, there are grocery stores where you can pick up a few things like, you know, some nut butter or nuts, some bananas, apples, even if you're not cooking to have those snacks available to you. So again, you're not waiting too long in between meals and can keep your body energized and focused throughout the day. Definitely. I would add one thing to that that I learned the hard way. Before you buy that nut butter or whatever it is in the jar, even if it's like a almond milk, read the ingredients because there are a number of different brands that actually put a fair amount of sugar into their products and you can get them with no sugar, which is obviously preferable than the ones that have. Right. And they'll also have the, the bad fats sometimes that are added too. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. And to add on to that point, you just want going back to basics and keeping it really simple. The fewer ingredients, the better. And you want to be able to pronounce and know. So when you see, let's use your nut butter as an example, if it's just almonds and sea salt, and maybe if it's roasted, it might have a little tiny bit of oil in it, but that's it. You know, it's really simple instead of the hydrogenated and sugars. You just want to have the like the least amount of ingredients, the better, I think. Definitely. And it, even better is to not have a package at all, right? Yeah, <laughs> or exactly. Or just the ingredient, almonds, period. Elise, you also advise your clients on different foods for their moods. Could you share some of that with us? I love that question. Of course. So most of us are very reactive to our food choices. And what I mean by that, let's use coffee as an example. Like I, you know, I just, I got really jittery and, you know, and, or it made my heart beat fast or whatever, you know, I just like had too much energy and I felt even more nervous because I had that like massive cup of coffee without even eating. Right. And that's like being reactive. But when I talk about foods and moods, I think food is very powerful. It can impact how you feel and how, you know, it impacts your health. But we have that power to make our choice every time we pick up the fork. So I ask people to think about how do I want to feel? It's a simple question, but so profound and so effective. So I might want to feel energized. It's a Monday morning, you know, so I might want to feel really energized. So I'm going to eat foods that give me energy. So a bowl of oatmeal, you know, with like, you know, just some healthy carbohydrates, even with through the apples and some nut butter on it, you know, I'm going to be raring to go. And then I'm not a coffee drinker, but I'm sorry, junkies, but I am a matcha and I'll have my side of matcha latte. You know, that's like a solid get up and go breakfast, you know, but maybe at night, I want to feel a little calmer. So I might have you know, ingredients, like foods that like even the act of like sipping on a tea, you know, like a plain tea or a lavender or something, it, it feels different, right? It just feels a little more soothing. If someone wants to feel very comforted, right? So that would, what would you think of that? What would, what, what would come to mind for you, Andrea? Hmm. A comforting food. I'm trying to think of what would be a comforting, healthy so food for me. Soup. soup. Always. It feels, you know, most of us, we probably were given that when we were, you know, younger and not feel, it just, there's something about soup that feels like comfort food. And so if I want to feel like that or nourished, you know, like then I would have a bowl of soup. Some other, so another word that people will talk about is focused. So then you want to pick foods that are really nourishing for your brain. And that would be something like healthy fats are really nourishing for your brain. I have a few blog posts that address these topics and maybe we can link those in the show notes. Eggs have something called choline, you know, a nutrient called choline, which is really good. So any sort of food that is really, you know, fatty fish, those are all great brain foods. So you would fill up on that. And that doesn't mean that's you eat that exclusively, but you make sure to add it in so that you, when you eat, you can be proactive to feel a certain way. Wonderful. That's really I, helpful. Go ahead. Well, I want to add. I want to add one more thing, just because of the time of year it is right now. And I guess you want this any time of year, but in particular right now, I want to feel healthy. 
everybody around me is sick, you know, in between with the change of seasons, you feel that. So for me, that's like you, I think you addressed this at the beginning, that would be all the anti-inflammatory foods, you know, so that I could keep my body really, my immune system really in peak condition foods high in vitamin C. So you know, citrus or the bell peppers, or, you know, even like fresh juices that are concentrated in vitamin C, but without sugar. Um, There's just, you know, their vices, you see them in everything now, all the, the ginger and the turmeric and all those spices are really good for immune, their immune boosting properties. So right now, I think of the word healthy. And I'm like every day during this season, I'm making sure to eat for that mood to be healthy. <laughs> Okay, I know. And so many people are getting sick. It's just, uh, I think you're right with the changing temperatures. Uh, Elise, I wanted to ask you, and I try to ask all of my guests to share a moment, a time in your professional life when you really struggled, whether you had a difficult boss or challenging colleagues, or you were in a job that was maybe over your head and you had to scramble to try to keep up. And most importantly, how you persevered, how you came through the other side, because I think it's so important for our Java junkies to internalize themselves that we all have had our ups and downs professionally and also personally. But it is absolutely 100% possible to make it through the other side and actually come out even stronger? So two things. One, I did the honor program in the Department of Justice right out of law school. And it's something that I really wanted to do. I really wanted to go into criminal law. And you had to pick your first choice and second choice. And my second choice was immigration. I won't go into that, but I got my second choice. And, you know, it was a disappointment because I had always envisioned myself as a criminal lawyer, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And so I think that I had not to be like, I just, I was, I was disappointed. I'm not gonna, I let myself feel the feelings like that. I was disappointed. But then I saw the opportunities, you know, like I saw the opportunities in pursuing the immigration, you know, track in like being able, I was still helping people in need, you know, I was just, I, it, it was really a matter of like, What's your, like stepping back and saying, what is your goal, you know, in law? And it, it really was to be able to help people, to help people who couldn't help themselves. And I was doing the same thing and I was still accomplishing my goal. So it was that label that I had to remove. And it was such a big lesson, I think, that I've applied in different times. It's like, okay, yes, I, I, it didn't go exactly as planned, but it did. You know, it just took a little twist. And I think it's important to not get so hung up and be able to go with the flow and step back and see, you, you know, am I still, is my why still there? And it was for me. So let me ask you this. What is that story that you would have wanted to share about what you're going through right now and the ups and downs that you've had? in trying to get this, your uh, coaching and, and your other business off the ground? It's, it takes a lot to be, as you know, an entrepreneur and to wear all the different hats. And I, I've had to just adjust my attitude, you know, when things don't go exactly as planned, because they don't, they really never do. And they take longer, or they take the twist and turns. And so I'm, 
always stepping back and asking what I can learn from it. So I'll give you an example. I really wanted to I have a book number two in my head and I wrote the proposal and my agent said to me, I'm not going to launch I mean, send your proposal to the publisher until you redo your website and launch a podcast. And I really wanted this book deal, you know, but and I don't know, it, it's been a year since that time. It takes a long time to redo, you know, rebrand and redo a website and, you know, and get a podcast off and running. At least for me, it's taken a long time. But here's the thing. Like I could be upset. I lost a year. I could have done this if I went with a different eight, you know, and talked myself into a whole bunch of different things. But I learned so much during this year. And I also learned so much about the way I want to share food story. So if you have that, if you loosen the ideals and the expectations a little and kind of see what's the lesson in all of this, there always is a lesson. And so I've adjusted my attitude instead of being disappointed. I try to get underneath and see what I can get out of it. And it has been so like my journey has been more peaceful when I adjusted my mindset that way. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think it's also really important for Java junkies to know that they will have those challenges later in life too. And as they evolve in their professional aspirations, there will be different highs and lows. But I love the fact that you're just trying to see the positive in that journey. Mm -hmm. So maybe one of the Java junkies doesn't get, you know, that the interview doesn't result in an offer, right? But, but But then the next one, they'll know so much more about themselves and the, you know, and have had another process under their belt, right? And they'll be able to, to, to answer questions more fully and thoroughly and, and know what they really want exactly. because they've been through it. And it may so. be that that next job is the one that they will, in fact, enjoy even more. You don't exactly. know. You don't know. So Elise, final time for coffee question. If, okay. you, if you could go back to college, if you could go back to the University of California at Berkeley and do oh, it good job. <laughs> and do it all over again, based on the wisdom that you have now, what advice would you give yourself? Oh, I think, okay, this is, I've never been asked this question, but I think I would really figure out what my passion was and not do follow a path because I thought I had to or what was expected of me. So now it's easy to say, right, that I wish I had, I mean, there was a lot of great things that happened from practicing law, but if I had to do it all over again, I wish I had gotten into nutrition, which I was interested in at that time from the outset, you know, and not my dad was a lawyer. I always wanted to please him and maybe not gone down that law legal path, but just gotten in touch with what I really love doing, what I speak about, what comes easy to me, what I'm good at. And I think that I probably would have taken a different course. I think that is such wonderful advice. And I think the more people that I've interviewed over the course of the last eight months, the more that I am hearing people recommend to Java junkies to use college as the time 
to discover their passions, to mm-hmm. find out also what they're good at, you know, play to their strengths and mm-hmm. just dig in and take as many different classes as possible to just kind of fill up their brains with good knowledge and hone certain skills and then get out there and and then follow that passion. Right. Elise, thank you so much for making time for coffee with me and the Time for Coffee community. I really enjoyed, I especially enjoyed talking with you and learning more about how we can take care of our minds and our bodies. Well, thank you so much for having me here. And I I love that you're empowering people at such an important time in their lives. And it's an honor to chat with you all. And I wish everyone good luck on their journeys. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.